Hello, everyone. I'm Annette Klazowski, your host, and I'm with Annie Brown, our producer and co-host. Annie is a marketing and social media guru and all things creative. Welcome to another episode of Leader Spotlight. Hello, Annie. How are you? Hey there. Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you, Annette? I've been good. I've been good. I'm excited today. We are talking with my friend Mindy Mead. So we're going to have a conversation about her experience in the corner office and she's a serial CEO. So I'm excited to share kind of her story behind her success and some of her key learnings. So we'll get to that in a minute. But as one of our favorite things we talk about is hearing from our listeners. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a reminder to everyone, we are on Apple Podcasts now. And so uh, if you want to leave a review, uh, just go ahead and leave a review on uh, Leader Spotlight. Um, and then, you know, if you leave a five-star review, we will, uh, you know, we'll pick out a few and read them on on the podcast. And so one um, that I thought was pretty cool, because I'm very interested into uh, in diversity in tech, is... Um, this podcast, uh, it says, uh, or sorry, this uh, review, it says, love the diversity of leaders interviewed. I just listened to three of the first five uh, podcasts, great backstories on leaders and a lot of great nuggets of leadership wisdom. And so I like that one because that's kind of what we're going for. I know. It's very interesting to hear just the backstories and kind of the story behind the leader. So thank you all for the follows, your input and your reviews. So now I'm ready to get started with Mindy. So Mindy, welcome. I want to do a little bit of an intro, but welcome. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Well, thank you for, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Well, I, um, I can't wait to kind of get into it, but you really are a serial CEO. I mean, you've been at Victoria's Secret Direct, Aeropostale, Land's Inn, you kind of started in the merchandising retail with Macy's, the limited Gymboree. So um, I'm really excited just to hear some of your key learnings and what you have uh, seen as you have been in that corner office, as we call it. Um, so let's just jump in. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Sure. So I know when you started, um, like, just kind of walk us through how you even got into retail. So I think you started with Macy's, but kind of just walk us to how you just entered into the retail merchandising world. I, I think I'm probably one of the few people that knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was 16 years old. I, I wanted to be a buyer. I don't think I knew what it was at the time, but my interests were math, fashion, and um, art. So those three skills... Uh, or interest caused me to want to get into it. And so after college and I got my degree in, in retail at University of Illinois, I moved, actually, I didn't start at Macy's, I started at Denver Dry Goods and I started there wow. as an assistant buyer, worked my way through to a buyer. And then in, towards late seventies, I moved to New York and was a buyer at Macy's. So Macy's, I ended up being there 12 years, but it was definitely the right field for me. I think I loved every minute of it. Um, had a lot of learnings, a um, lot of opportunities, and um, I think of it fondly of being in it for 45 years. Wow, that's awesome. You knew what you wanted to be when you were 16. I did know. Yep. Man, I was all over the board. <laughs> but, um, 
Well, talk to us. What, um, like, what was the position, the deal, the project? What, what was the thing that kind of propelled you to that first CEO job? Well, I think um, I was fortunate to have lots of different jobs and work for a few different companies before I came to Macy, to, before I came to Land's End. Land's End was my first CEO job. And uh, each of the different jobs, I went to Macy's, then I went to Limited, then I came to Land's End. And um, I started off in a, you know, vice president of women's position. And there was a gentleman that recruited me to come there, which was Dave Dyer. And I just was able to, the company was really growing. It was about $650 million. After the 14 years, it grew to about $2 billion. But I just, I just started it and I had a boss that was was great and allowed me to do my job but I kept in close touch with him all the time so he knew at all times what I was doing um, and I, I would say that was uh, a good lesson for me to be able to learn from from Dave that he he picked the best people and he let them do their job and I really felt it and I think it was maybe I don't know how many years in um, I left the company, went to Gymboree after about six years, and then I came back with Dave. And we were in the process of really growing. Uh, we brought in a design team, and the business was thriving. And I looked at him, and I really never set out to be a CEO. I just thought, okay, I'll do this job, and then the next job came, and the next job came. And I looked at him, and I thought, you know, I really I think I could do that job. So I went to him, which is always, I think, a good lesson um, to to communicate your needs. I went to him and told him that I think I'd like to be a CEO. So he gave me additional responsibility and gave me the international division, which was about $300 million at that point. And so I took that on as far as really having it be my own business because the other part of Land's End I was a part of. And... Um, and one thing led to another, and we sold, We ended up selling the company after uh, the founder wanted to sell the company, so we sold it to Sears, and we went through that process, and, um, and I had an opportunity. Sears actually took me down to Sears for a year to do merchandising at, for all of the apparel plus Land's End, and they said, if you go down and do that job, you'll come back as the CEO, and that's what happened. So... It was, um, I think, without a doubt, my favorite job. Really? It sounds so effortless when you talk about it, but I know that uh, I know there was probably a lot of times that uh, there was a lot of pressure. You probably had just a lot of responsibility. But when you look back, what's the most valuable thing you think you learned about you through just that CEO experience? I think the biggest thing that I learned was that one, I couldn't do it by myself. I really, you know, and I, I'm, I've always operated in a team, you know, I've always surrounded myself with great talent. In fact, not afraid to hire people that have skills that I don't have, which I think is key to round out, you know, whatever, whatever job I was in and making sure I had the very best. Um, and then, the next one, which I think sometimes was hard for me, is to listen. I really, you know, needed to learn. And at different times in different jobs, I think I was better. 
I felt like I always listened, but my problem was I moved so fast that I would listen and then I would already almost take it into action. So one of my learnings was to kind of really, really slow down, listen to everybody and make sure that everybody in that immediate senior team knew exactly what we were doing. And to me, that's a key um, to the successes I've had in different jobs. What was a tough situation? Like if you, you know, had to navigate against or you found yourself in that um, kept you up at night, maybe? Oh, well, one tough situation was that we, uh, when I was at Land's End, um, you know, the internet was growing rapidly. And so we didn't have the need for as many call centers. So we had five call centers around the Wisconsin area. And we realized, as tough as it was, we had to close one of them down. And it was in a town that was the main part of the town. So it was a really big deal in Cross Plains, uh, Wisconsin, which was, you know, maybe 15 minutes outside of, outside of Madison. And we, as an executive team, looked at it and thought, we, in order to grow, in order to have the profits grow, we we did not need that headcount. So that was really probably one of the toughest things that I had to do. And uh, when we did it, we I think we did it with grace. We gave them lots of time. We found lots of jobs in other places for the people. But that one was heart-wrenching to, to know that we had to uh, eliminate. And it was about uh, 35 senior managements in the main business and it was uh, closing down the whole center, which was probably a couple hundred people. Wow. But it was tough. Very tough. Yeah. You know, I think people in organizations, you know, they see the aftermath of people being let go, but they don't really see the months of meetings and planning and how gut-wrenching that is for leadership to have to do. It, it's really hard, I think, um, on leadership, but a lot of people don't see that. True. It's true. So, you know, there's so much about the glass ceiling and women not getting a fair shot or equal pay. What what was your experience coming up through the ranks? Did you run into any roadblocks or I would say um I feel like I was fairly paid throughout my career. And so for me, I personally uh, I've seen that around other organizations, other friends of mine, but I, I felt like I was paid well uh, throughout my career. And um, but I have to say it was it was a little difficult. Most of the people that were my peers were men, and I I am not one that will sit and kind of complain about it. But there were difficult things I went through in um, in getting the job, and then then I'd be competing with another peer who was a man and I got the job and some of those people that were my friends afterwards didn't want to be my friend. That was difficult, but I, I just had to persevere and move on and, and do the job and, and just try not to, uh, you know, try not to let it bother me, but it, it was hard at times. What about, um, just regrets? Did you have any regrets? Because I'm sure there's lots of trade-offs and things you sacrificed when you work at that level. Mm -hmm. Any regrets or anything you would do differently? 
Well, I don't know if I have regrets. Every now and then I, I look at uh, younger women today that are having children and that are able to spend time with them. I have one son. Um, my husband and I started met at Macy's, so we both were store managers years ago. And he, my career just kept growing. And so we made a decision at one point when my son was three or four that he would stay home and raise my son. And there's times I look back and I think, oof, you know, he's the one that got to go to all the little school things in, in, in different times. But as much as I regret it, I could not be closer to my son. And I think in the end, he respects me as a working woman. And so he's really close with my husband when it comes to sports. And he's really close to me when it comes to business. And he doesn't seem to be bothered by it. So I can look back and say, well, I guess, I guess it worked. But at the time, <laughs> at the time I felt like, oh boy, I just want to, you know, and I would say he, he was a baseball and a, and a soccer player. So I probably got to go to 70% of the games because I worked for great people that believed in, you know, family, but I didn't get to go to all of them. That's okay. Yeah, that's good. I had the daughter that when I went to pick her up early, and those rare occasions I could pick her up early from daycare, she'd cry because she wouldn't want to leave. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I, th oh, I think our kids are resilient. And um, I, do, I do think they pick up on things that they can respect about, you know, the mother that worked or the skills that they learned. So yeah. um, I don't probably know if there's my a worst little my worst little anecdote when he was probably 10 years old and it was, it was my birthday and he made this little, he took a lunchbox, one of those metal lunchboxes. He painted it. He put papers in it with lines on it and pencils. And he says, here, mom, I know how much you love to work. So that was like, Oh, wake up, wake up. Paul. <laughs> but man, he was so keen to, to doing something that would be meaningful to you though. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had those experiences too. Uh, I have. So, okay. So that kind of gets us to, you know, you had the corner office and, and now you have life after it. And I know you've been consulting for several years and you've are leading the top women led companies of the women presidents organization. So what's this season like for you? Well, I'm, I'm finding out that I'm very busy. In fact, I had a conversation with my husband this morning. He goes, Mindy, anybody that would talk to you would see how busy you are. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not really doing that much, but I, I suppose I am. I, I do love the WPO, and that's a group of women that I lead three meetings a year, and I plan for that. Uh, I've recently gotten involved in, in, my lo in my town where I live in Sun Valley, and we're creating a culinary center. And I, I don't know anything about that except for I like cooking. So I have been helping them build this, and that is taking a, a good share of my time right now, which I'm really having fun with. So I keep finding there's always something else that, that happens next, but I'm, I'm trying to kind of figure out the next 20 years or so and figure out uh, doing other things besides just a day-to-day -day job that I had for so many years. And uh, so far, it's working. Yeah, you, I know you're doing great work, and um, you and I met through WPO. And, yes, uh, we did. No, we have said we haven't really, our paths have just recently crossed, but we feel like we've known each other for a long time and have That's clicked right. 
so, uh, and I, I've really enjoyed just learning about you and seeing you. I mean, you lead the Zenith group of WPO, which are what, 50 million and above companies? They're the largest companies. 50, in 50 and above, and the average is about 250, 250 okay. million. So you've got, so what, what do you find with the women leading those companies? What do you find that's, that's their challenge or that you can help with? Well, it's interesting. They're very strong women, and some are further along in their career and have, you know, established very large companies, and they're kind of there in the process of maybe moving it on to their son, et cetera. I've got some that are really just in the beginning stages of building their business. Um, you know, in my role, as you know, because you do this too, is, is certainly, even though they call us chairman of these of these chapters, we're really the facilitator. So I think my role is to sit back a little and just help them figure out what they want to do. My voice is not included in the conversation. I'm there just to make sure it keeps flowing. And I, I think the one topic that comes up amongst my group, which I feel passionate about this subject, is do they have a succession in their businesses? Some are, you know, some are thinking about maybe selling and others are really still in high growth. But I'm, I'm a believer that you really need to have a team in place that's ready to step in at any point. And I think that's something that we've uh, worked on a little bit to help help some of the women decide, you know, how are they going to how are they going to transition or more importantly, how do they have the strength in their senior team so that they can have their team do all the work because you can't do it themselves. I think sometimes some of the entrepreneurs feel like, you know, they're driving it all but a good lesson is you can't drive it without strong people and they need to be the ones that do some of that driving. Yeah. So I think that's, that's one true. topic that's come up. Maybe you've run into that too. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I do think succession exiting, I think it's really um, difficult sometimes to really get mm -hmm. off. Cause you kind of have to step off the, you know, the, the treadmill a little bit to really look at that. And, um, and a lot of them are so busy and, very, very ingrained so in busy. businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if there's a 30, 40 year old that's really looking to, you know, move to that CEO role and they're saying, am I ready? Well, what advice would you give that person? Well, some of it I already touched upon, but I'll kind of touch upon it again is, um, you know, one thing that I've done that I, I realize sometimes when I'm talking to people and what I've done in my career, I took a lot of risks. I took a lot of risks with my family. I moved across the country. And with each one of those moves and changes, I learned so much more. So I would always say, take the risks and, and then take advantage of all the opportunities that come. Uh, I think the other one is is that piece about talent. I can't I can't say enough about getting a strong, strong great talent in your organization um, because you just can't do it by yourself. You really have to do it. And I, I think that um, the book that, and it's probably old now, there's many other books that are more current, but Good to Great was a book that I loved because it really told you you had to stay focused on initiatives. And at different times, I think we did it at Lanzan, we might have also done it at Aeropostal, is everyone had to read the book. And and you really have to make sure that everybody is on the same boat so that they're all going the same direction. And when you don't have that, 
you're going to have problems. So I think that, you know, figuring out who are the right people, keep them in the same direction, um, and then listen to them. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I think I'm a good listener, and I think during over my career people said I listen, but I move so fast that people wouldn't know that. So um, mm-hmm. go, go go slow and really listen to some ideas, and then in the end, you know you're gonna you're gonna guide the final decision if you are a CEO of a company, but you really need to listen to the ideas. Yeah, I think um, I think listening is it. We all think we're good listeners, and then mm-hmm. when you really step back and and really critique yourself. If, if you are slowing down enough to really trying to understand and be understood what's going on, I think that is difficult. <laughs> I think there's a lot of it times is. you're like, yeah, maybe I'm not so great at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one I have to have caught myself on and I have been one that has gotten a lot of coaching. You know, when I was at Land's End, I went off to center for creative leadership I was not the CEO. I was EVP then. And all the other guys that were my peers were laughing like, oh, why do you need to go do that? I'm thinking, because, you know, you got to get better. So I went for a week and most of the other people in my group, there were 12 of them, were 10 were men, one other woman. And we, it just was incredible. And then I, I had this one woman who I kept with me the rest of my career as my coach. And yeah. she knew me quite well and, and helped me um, helped me with my soft spots and was there for me to kind of say, you know, Mindy, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to think about this. So yeah. I think, I think a strong leader needs to be humble. I think they need to um, understand themselves. I mean, that's another topic. They need to really know where they're strong and where they have areas of opportunity. Yeah, I think that's nope. good. I mean, there's not an elite athlete. If you think of somebody at the top of their game, there's not an elite athlete that doesn't have a coaching crew around them. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that is the humility and in, in, in knowing. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith wrote the book. Um, it's like, what got you there won't keep you here. You know, it's oh, like yes. skills yeah. to get to the top of the organizations aren't necessarily the skills you need to sustain yourself. And that's where, you know, those soft skills, the people skills, the, the emotional intelligence, those are the things that, you know, a lot of executives or dynamics, you know, they're looking at. They got the strategy. They got the key thing of what the business is about. It's, it's more of leading in people in an organization. That's absolutely true. Well, at the end of every show, we always ask people who their four are because the sayings go, show me your closest friends and colleagues and I'll show you your future. So on that note, who are your four, Mindy? I would say the first one is my father-in-law. My husband is one of seven and none of his brothers or sisters went into the business world. My father-in-law was a very successful businessman, was the CEO of a few companies, sat on several public boards, and then he ended his career in the CIA for 13 years. He was a very serious man, and he was frankly brilliant, and when I first met him, he scared the heck out of me, so I was almost (laughs) very intimidated by him. But he was kind of there for me and enjoyed kind of being my mentor. Uh, with each negotiation throughout my career and and w- when I took a move. And he would always 
you know, he kind of taught me, he was a little bit old school, negotiate hard for one item, but don't, don't, don't get too greedy. And I, and I always thought that was good advice. You know, some people maybe try to get everything. What's important to you and negotiate hard for that. Um, and every morning, you know, I was in, when I was in Wisconsin at Land's End and he would be in New York and he would just, that's when we had fax machines every morning around five thirty. the fax machines would be coming through and he'd send me articles from the New York times or the wall street journal that I needed to read. And it was, you know, I have, I have pages and pages of those that I saved. Um, and I, I think also probably he was helpful a little bit to maneuver, you know, the business world of men and what I was dealing with, um, uh, I could kind of go to him for advice on that type, but he, he, he was really great. So he was one. Okay. My second one was Dave Dyer. And I've already shared a little bit of that story. He's the one that hired me to go to, to Land's End and he recruited me the first time in the nineties. And then when I left to go to Jimboree, he brought me back. And I think that we had a, we had an instant strong working relationship. Um, and he was, um, he, he ended up, you know, well, we let, left the company in 96 and then he came back as CEO. And that's when, you know, we just kind of took off from when we worked together before. Um, and he's the one that I sat out and, and worked with him. And he's the one that I attribute to having him help me figure out I could do that job. And I think that, um, he, he, his style, he was involved in everything, but he really kind of stepped back. And I really admired that so much from him. Then he's the one that would literally just hire incredible people and he would let them do your job. So that was probably my big lesson. And I think the other thing he taught me, which was a little bit of the whole lens end lesson was in the retail world, focusing on the customer. And they really, really did. So that was something that helped me um, learn how to to manage the whole product cycle. Mm-hmm. And that that leads me to Sid Mashburn, and he's someone that worked for me. He was um, a designer in Tommy Hilfiger. He had had a great background between Tommy and Ralph and a couple other places in New York. I brought him to come to Land's End in 1998, and he was going to head up a whole design team. And we were at a point where we needed to put a little more style. We were high fashion, but we needed to put more style into our product. And so he was very creative, had a strong desire for results, and we had a great working relationship. And it was interesting to work with someone that creative and figure out how together we, we really... In fact, it annoyed people because we agreed on so many things that they would be like, how could they always keep agreeing? So he and I were the ones that kind of like built the process. He helped me put together a comprehensive product development process that I've used since in other companies. Uh, He was quite a perfectionist um, and a truly valued partner. At times, I'd have to figure out how to, you know, okay, today's the day we're making that decision. Because he would keep going and going and going. So the two of us worked well together. Um, and, you know, he, he would always remind me that you can't, you can't do it by yourself. So he was, he was a great partner. Oh, yeah, that is great. And my fourth one was Julian Geiger. And he has been my boss twice uh, in the early 80s when I was a store manager. It was so funny. Both my husband and I were store managers. And he was both of our bosses. Uh, <laughs> then he... Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, we weren't married at the time. We were just friends initially. Um, he promoted me for my first merchandising job as the VP of kids. And then he moved me into another job. Um, and so I, uh, left the company in 1988 and I wanted to move from buying of lines to creating of line. And that's when I went to the limited. And with each of my consecutive moves, just like my father-in-law, he was always there for me to kind of talk about which move I should make. Was it good for me or not good for me? So I really appreciated, um, his counsel. Um, and, and then I, when I did come, to Aeropostal uh, in 88, no, in um, 2006. This is after I was at Victoria's Secret. Um, and I left there because the culture wasn't really quite right for me. He brought me to Aeropostal as the president and with the idea that I would eventually take over as CEO. And that was probably my biggest accomplishment was that um, at Aeropostal, when I went there, it was a billion two and it left, it was two five and profits doubled. And I was really able to utilize the skills I'd learned from the limited and also from Land's End and incorporate into the business. Um, but I learned from there that I actually, when we talked earlier about listening, I moved too fast and I did not bring others along with me and probably made changes in the business that had a huge impact on profits but I may have alienated a few people because I was moving so fast. And the person I alienated the most was my boss, which was very sad because uh, I learned that I needed to have him be part of it and to not move so fast, even though the business was just rocketing and the profits were rocketing, I needed to step back and make sure that he was on board and that I wasn't doing something that, um, that he didn't approve of. So it was kind of a, a big lesson for me. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of times when we think about learning and lessons, we go to like a failure, you know, like something went wrong and we should have seen it. And it's interesting because everything was going right and you were growing and, um, and you still had a learning. There was still something that oh, yeah, for you. Big, big one. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. But we're still friends today. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we learn and live, right? That's right. Well, anything else you want to share with us just that we haven't covered? or um, I just think it's fascinating what you have done and accomplished. The, well, I, I really enjoyed every bit of it, even with some difficulties. And I think probably what I... Um, enjoyed the most was creating a really exciting environment and to constantly have fun when you're on the job. I mean, we would have fun. We'd be sitting in numbers meetings and crunching through after three days to figure out our next forecast for the public company. But within that, I, I believed a lot in, in really having fun and making sure that everybody felt motivated and that, um, and I, I would stress enough, I don't know if I always did it, but just what are the new ideas? Keep those new ideas going, particularly now for new businesses that need to keep changing. You can't keep doing it the way you did it yesterday. So I yeah. think that's something that worked for me, but if I was still in the businesses today, I'd be more aware of, okay, what's next? What do you, how, how are you going to evolve? 
Yeah, I think retail especially is changing just with the environment of online and uh, who the new mm-hmm. customer is. I think it's, uh, and it's probably changes, it's going to keep changing rapidly with technology as well. That's true. It's absolutely true. Well, thank you so much, Mindy. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy and I really appreciate you just sharing kind of the story behind your your path and um, you're such an inspiration to me personally and 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 you're just all around cool, I have to say. Well, so. I am really glad we met. And I know since since the first time that we were roomies together at our first conference, uh, we're going to be fast friends. So uh, thank you very much. Well, we appreciate you coming and sharing. Thanks. here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlazowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Check for new episodes of Leaders Spotlight every Friday, or better yet, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.